we made it to episode two. Isn't that crazy? Welcome back to Historical Horrors. My name is Christy Clark, and I have a super spooky story for you guys today. This one is also local. It's about St. Ignatius Hospital. St. Ignatius Hospital is another one of those stories where I was like, how did I not know that this was literally so close to me? And how have I not been there yet? It's in Colfax, Washington, which is like 30, 45 minutes tops away. And they used to do ghost tours and I completely missed it. I've lived in this town for four years now and I didn't know about it, didn't know that there are like ghost tours at St. Ignatius Hospital. And so I'm a little bit upset because now they're not doing them anymore. And the reason why is kind of up for debate. It's kind of a who you ask situation, but I'll get into that later. So we'll start out with the history aspect. The building was built in 1892, which wasn't that when the University of Idaho was built. 1892 is when it opened its doors, October of 1892. Oh my God, did they open at the same time? I just pulled up my notes from the last episode, and yep, they were built in the same year. That's crazy. So the hospital was built for the surrounding Whitman County. It was kind of like the regional hospital for the area, and it was built by the Sisters of Providence, which is a group of Roman Catholic sisters um, that were founded in 1843 by Mother Emily Gamelin. It was a nonprofit healthcare system that the sisters built, and it happened to result in the building of St. Ignatius. It remained a hospital until 1964, until it was finally closed due to financial issues. Then the building transitioned into an assisted living home for the mentally ill until the year 2000. I believe it closed down in 2000 because of a busted water pipe. I'm pretty sure that's what I read, but also I feel like there was some kind of speculation on that. I don't, I think there was some debate about whether that's true or not, which you would think it wasn't that long ago and that we would have that information, but it's, it's skewed. And then also they were throwing around 2002 and they were also throwing around the year 2000. So there's some kind of something happening there. The building was abandoned after that, and then it laid dormant until 2015 when Colfax's Chamber of Commerce decided to start doing haunted tours of the building. Even before it became known as a haunted tours place, like people have been buzzing about St. Ignatius because it is supposed to be very haunted and people wanted to constantly go and tour and investigate. And there are a few investigations that we will be talking about today. The first investigation is from the Spokane Paranormal Society. They published an hour-long video that you can find on YouTube. It's a walkthrough tour with a psychic medium. I liked it. I watched the whole hour. So that video was published in 2016. And like I said, it's a walkthrough. So it goes through all of the floors. So the building has four floors. Now, whether that includes the basement or not wasn't really specified. The basement also doubled as a morgue for the hospital. And the third floor, which is like the most haunted floor, was used as an infectious disease holding area, which you would think is weird because you're like, it's America. There's not a lot of like infectious disease outbreaks. But remember, this is like old timey and influenza was a big deal. So they just stored everyone on the third floor if they had the flu. 
The third floor also has a lot of activity because when St. Ignatius became an assisted living home, the third floor was used as apartments for the mentally ill. So there's a lot of activity on the third floor. Now let's get into the video. So there's a few key players in the video. There's Valerie Gregory, who's from the Colfax Chamber of Commerce, and Nancy Cochran, who is the president of the Chamber of Commerce. Then you have psychic medium Jennifer Von Buren, and her husband was there too. And then you have the Spokane Paranormal Society president slash founder who was filming and kind of probing the psychic medium, asking a bunch of questions about how are you feeling? What are you feeling in this room? I I think maybe her commentary shouldn't have been there because I don't know when you're like walking through a room and then all of a sudden you're like, do you feel anything in here? Are you sure? Like it's kind of leading. But they did different things through this tour. They did the flashlight game which I believe I've never done it myself. I'm too chicken shit to do it. Um, You take a flashlight and you unscrew the backing just to where it's like you kind of have to just barely touch it and the battery will connect and turn on the flashlight. And that's how ghosts are supposed to communicate. They can like move that back a little bit and make the light turn on, which could indicate a yes. So they did that in almost every floor. Um, They didn't go into the basement from what I remember They had a bunch of activity on the main floor, and then the third floor had a ton of activity. So Jennifer said that there was a bad energy on the third floor. Um, There were male and female energies um, in the room that they were in particular. There was a male and female, and it was a strong male energy. Late 50s, early 60s, he had major anger outbursts. And then she also picked up on a shock therapy patient because that is something that they practiced at St. Ignatius who came off as an adult but has more of the mentality of a child because the treatments probably like digress them into a childlike state. And then they went across from room 310 and there is another male energy there. But the female energy is the one that she really clung to. She said that she felt like the walls were closing in, almost like she was really paranoid. And that's when Valerie and Nancy chimed in and was like, she was a paranoid schizophrenic and like started freaking out. And they just like, they gave away too much because like, obviously Valerie and Nancy know the history of the building and well, I guess not obviously, but they know quite a deal of the stories in the building and they kind of were leading the medium. Not saying that Jennifer did a bad job. I think I really enjoyed her, her tour and her ability to communicate with spirits, but it was just a little like, eh, um, you might have just picked up on that because they were telling stuff. She said that she felt like the woman that they were talking about was an artist or had like some kind of artsy quality about her. And then she also said, which I found was interesting, she was like, this woman could have been sensitive. She could have had some kind of psychic energy to to her. Jennifer also said that the woman was showing her a picture of a red-headed child and Jennifer was saying how she was just like look at how handsome he is. He's wonderful. He's amazing. And Nancy and Valerie also confirmed that that the woman's name was Rose. She had uh become pregnant. They said that Rose when she was pregnant actually like her mental illness kind of subsided. Like it was really interesting that how the pregnancy um, evened her out. Maybe it was like to do with hormones or something, but then they took her baby away and she lost it, which is fair, like any woman would. So that was essentially all I got from that hour long video. Wow, I summarized an entire hour in like six minutes. That's wow. St. Ignatius Hospital was also featured on two different TV shows, 
The first one was filmed in 2017 and released in 2017. The show was called Paranormal Lockdown. It was featured on season two. It was episode four. If you want to watch it, feel free. I found it online. You can rent it. Valerie Gregory is also mentioned in this one as well, but she was not prominent. She was not there on the tour or anything. All right, was she on the tour? I don't know. It's been a while since I've watched it. I'm sorry. Some of the major claims are that people are being scratched and pushed. Uh, They also interviewed Dwayne Wood, who was a former employee, and he claimed that he heard footsteps and saw shadow figures. This episode also confirmed the third floor infectious disease unit that later became apartments for the disabled. They also went to Rose's room. And they said that there's like an angry presence and people got scratched in that room. And during the actual investigation, they had a ghost box and they heard go away in room 312, which is Michael's room. And Michael becomes this whole character. He's featured kind of in this one, wasn't featured in the Spokane Paranormal Society's video. And he is focused in the other TV show as well. But it's interesting that two of the three had him in it and like, and one completely omitted him because you think that he'd be like such a major character for how monstrous they make this man seem. So in room 312, which is Michael's room, um, one of the hosts on the show asked, can you tell us who is scratching people? And the ghost box says him and then rich. This one I find interesting because there's way more attention focused on the morgue and the elevator shoot. Like the elevator shoot was such a big deal in this episode. It was almost getting annoying to a certain point. The show shared a story about how when the place was closed down, they didn't lock the doors for some reason. And a man that used to live in the building, so he was part of the assisted living home, He had lived there and he somehow managed to make his way back thinking that he still lived there and he fell down the elevator shaft and died but wasn't found until several days later. So that story just set this guy, his name was Ryan, just set him on this whole just rabbit hole. He physically went into the elevator chute and did a ghost box session there and it was so weird hearing it like it was the most active ghost box I've seen like it started just saying so many random things and it said your voice and then it started screaming and I've never heard a ghost box scream before and it was really quite creepy and then it said give you a warning and then there was another scream and then it says watch out so, like, I don't know why I know that that was, like, a really cool first impression of the elevator shoot, but why would you want to hang out in it? And then he was being stupid and he wanted to, like, crawl into the elevator and this place is so dingy and, like, because it's been abandoned for, like, almost 20 years now. And he was just, like, crawling, trying to crawl into the elevator, trying to pry the doors open on the third floor to see if he could get into the elevator. And I'm just like, why? Why? So, yeah. We're just going to set that aside, that whole story for, you know, another time about how men do really reckless things and it it worries me. Um, They moved on to the third floor and they got a few things there. There was like this weird phenomena that happened where something, they heard this loud bang and then there was just this random dust cloud that happened. And then when they went to like be like, okay, what fell? Because obviously whatever fell created the dust cloud. 
but they couldn't find anything that fell. So there was no reason for the dust cloud to have occurred, which was very interesting. And they caught it on film. It is quite interesting. If you want to watch that video, like that was like the one thing where I'm just like scratching my head a little bit and being like, what's what? How would that have happened? Like maybe a gust of wind, but I don't think the window was open. Anywho, there was also a voice. So they were investigating other floors and there was a voice that kept telling them to go to the third floor. I think it just said third floor. So clearly when a ghost tells you to go to the third floor and you have a weird dust cloud, you're going to go to the third floor. So they did another ghost box session up there and they picked up Rose, which was the name of one of the women that lived there, illness, yeah, and fever, which, you know, it worked. My favorite part about ghost shows is at the very end when they sit down with whoever like let them into the building and was like, here's everything that we found. What can you confirm? Like we heard this name. Was there a person with that name that lived there? And someone validates that or is like, I don't know. That's my favorite part about ghost shows. And this happened. So they took their results and asked about a man named Rich because they were like, they asked who was scratching everyone and the ghost box said Rich. So they asked about him. But the people were like, Rich was a nice guy. Like he was a high functioning male and he was nice. So it kind of didn't make sense as to why... Someone was saying that he was the one scratching. It could have been Michael being like, it's him, not me. That could totally be a thing. Because Michael becomes the villain in the other TV show that investigated St. Ignatius Hospital. So this show, it's a little bit more well known. I I hadn't heard about Paranormal Lockdown. This one I definitely heard of. Ghost Adventures featured it rather recently. It was released June 15th, 2019. It is season 19, episode two, if you want to go watch it. So it has interviews with Valerie, Nancy, and Jeff. Um, Jeff, we haven't met yet, but Valerie and Nancy, again, Chamber of Commerce people. Um, They claim that the building has loud crashes, the investigators are being touched, and there's like light anomalies being recorded. And those are all fine and good, but the episode doesn't focus on that. It focuses on Jeff Gadley and his story. So Jeff Gadley is a paranormal investigator. He's done two investigations at St. Ignatius Hospital, one being in April 2018. And this is like the story that takes off. So apparently when he was on his investigation in April, he was up in Michael's room and I guess he was provoking... Michael, and he basically, like, lost the ability to use his legs for the time being, not, like, permanently. And he was, like, getting disoriented, and he was like, am I being possessed right now? Because if you remember back in episode one, we talked about how Ed Warren said that these are some signs that you might be getting possessed or something's trying to get into you. And that is one of the things is that you kind of like get that numbness in your limbs. So that happened in the investigation and he swore that he would never go back. But of course, when Ghost Adventures comes, he's like, okay, I'll go back just for you guys. And so they're investigating the building. He's with a camera crew, Ghost Adventures camera crew. And he gets so aggressive. He starts feeling like really aggressive. And he says that he felt like he just wanted to scream, get those cameras out of my effing face, you bastards. Um, He's like fantasizing about throwing the cameras and just like destroying their equipment. 
So he storms off and he leaves the hospital. But the feelings kind of continue and they follow him. So after he leaves the hospital, he gets in a car with his friend and he says that he's fantasized slash visualizing about hurting his friend now. He sent a text message to either Zach or one of the producers and I screen grabbed it from the episode because I thought it was interesting. So this is the part that I can read. It says, when Jay and the others came up behind me and asked if I was okay, I said no. I really wanted to get those effing cameras out of my face, you bastards. I am not that kind of person who speaks like that. I never swear. On the way home, Jose was talking at one point and I looked over at him and it wasn't him, but was. At that moment, I got so angry that my only thought was wanting to crush his skull. That scared me because I have never in my life thought of doing anything like that to someone. It took some prayers to get this thing to let go, but the effect it had on me is still here physically. The pain in my chest has not gone away since it started in Michael's room. So that was the text, and it was a whole big ordeal on this episode. It was pretty much the main part of the episode. Even after all that drama happened, they still continued the investigation, It was disclosed that Michael was actually in a wheelchair, which they attributed to why, um, oh God, what was his name? Jeff? What's his name? Jeff. Jeff Gadley had a numbness in his legs. They also investigated Rose's room where they felt disoriented. I know that these shows are meant to dramatize things. Like, clearly, that's like the point. But the thing that really bugged me about this episode is that they said that the tours were discontinued due to injuries being caused by the ghosts in the building. But when I was researching, I found that several local newspapers said that the reason is like much more logistical. It was because the owner was trying to sell the hospital. So the city couldn't use it anymore because it was being sold and finances were moving around and stuff so it had nothing to do with the ghosts it was literally just like the whitman county gazette said that according to the assessor's records the owner sold saint ignatius on june 3rd of 2017 and then um valerie the colfax unified executive director who was conducting ghost tours in the hospital as a fundraising activity for the chamber of commerce said that Derek J. Fincher was the de facto purchaser of St. Ignatius. So there was just a lot of confusion. And then Fincher was sentenced to 13 to 135 months in federal prison. It had nothing to do with the hospital, but it was part of a swindling scheme. And now it's back on sale. So there was just a lot of transferring of hands, essentially. And that's why they can't do tours right now. It has nothing to do with the ghosts. And I hate when shows spread lies because... Hello, media literacy. Like, you need to be able to research and identify things on your own. That was my bone to pick with that show. I have just a few other little ghost stories. So one of the most popular spirits witnessed by investigators is believed to be that of the first patient that had ever died in St. Ignatius. In 1893, a man was crushed between two rail cars, but he survived long enough to die on the hospital grounds. And he's said to be very active on the main floor. And when you see him, usually you see a very gory, crushed body, which is horrific. Um, The fourth floor of St. Ignatius also tends to be pretty active because it used to be the surgery ward. And quite often, ghost hunters would hear loud footsteps of 
like coming towards them and they believed that it was like doctors running patients and running back and forth between operating rooms. There's also a shadow man that lurks the halls and is believed to be a very negative energy. That is the last ghost that I have to talk about. And that wraps up the end of the show. Thank you again for listening and just sharing the love of ghost stories with me and history. If you want to find me on social media, you can. On Facebook, you can find me at Historical Horrors. On Instagram and Twitter, you can find me at Historical HPod. Go ahead and message me if you have any ghost stories that you'd like to share with me or different buildings that you would like me to research, maybe the historical ghost. I don't know. Go ahead and message me. I would love to hear from you guys. Thank you again for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Bye.